Welcome back to A Real Ties Production. My name is Cameron Scales, your host of this lovely podcast. It is great to be back talking to you guys. I appreciate you listening. Appreciate you sticking by. If you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate it. Um, you could see a little timeline going across the video of what I'll be talking about. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can see it in the description. I will have the timestamps for you then. A couple things of, I guess, some knowledge that I can give out just for anybody that's willing to you know, sacrifice things and go follow their dream is to, you know, I took this chance and although it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, it still, you know, was an opportunity. I was still blessed to have an opportunity to go play basketball in another country and to be able to be around those guys on my team and how they viewed me and the questions they asked me and the things that, you know, we talked about and all that. And although it was short, like I said, it was still, you know, a good experience for me to have. Enough of me. Let's get into... First topic that's, you know, obviously been a hot, hot smoking gun the last couple of days into some weeks is chat GPT. First thing I will say is I do think it's a good thing. I do think that something like this that is available to the public should be used, should be taken advantage of and should open your eyes about what is next in the future, because this is it. Open AI is it. This is a huge glance into what is to come in the next couple of years, whether that's, you know, people investing, what stocks become hot and go cold, what this means for a lot of companies that are already established now, what their next five years are going to look like, whether that's trending up or trending down. There's a lot to get into with the chat GPT other than, you know, typing in a cooking recipe or, that matters even with even just the coding. There's a lot more that goes into it with than just the cool features that it adds. It's you know there's a lot of things down the line that could be good and could be bad that we'll get into. So the first thing I want to get into is the obvious, which is the educational part of all of this. My fear is that not necessarily that people are going to stop reading books and textbooks are going to be obsolete and there's going to be no reason to even have them anymore. I just think that the way that people learn in school is finally going to have to change. And it's been the same system for so long. And you get these people who complain about it, say, ah, I'm not even using my degree, whatever school's dumb. You got other people who are like, oh, I use school to, you know, now I make six figures coming out of college. Well, there's both sides of the fence. But what I will say is that school has always been the same system. And now there is something that is available to people that you have to, you have to work around it. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to slow it down. This thing is going to evolve into God knows what. So professors, colleges, universities, high schools, middle schools have to evolve because anybody with the phone, anybody with a, a device that can connect to the Internet will be able to use this feature. And I don't really know where that leads as far as degrees in universities because what I can say is a lot of people that come out of school already they learn a certain set of tools but there's a lot of tools in the toolbox that are necessary to life that you may not even have seen you might not even know how to use I just want to know what jobs are going to do what these businesses are going to do to work around that because as easy as it is to lie on your resume, now it's going to be even easier. Now you can make yourself sound even more sophisticated. Open AI doesn't really 
make you tap into a certain level of problem solving. It, it basically is a problem solver itself. And so the best way to use it is becoming smarter and how to ask it and command it to do certain processes. That's going to be the, you know, the wave of how people advance this technology is basically learning what processes can go into it as chat GPT already tracks the processes and inputs that everybody's already been putting into it. And it's learning as people put their money and, you know, time into it, trying to figure out stuff. It's already computing everything. And I think in a couple of months from now, it's going to evolve into something else. My next thing is, is what happens when the wealthy people decide to invest into this, the wealthy people who already invest other money and back these corporations and back these media companies what do they do when they ask for all of these jobs to be taken away? Because you got to understand that even without these investors, CEOs, owners, whatever, management, they're always looking for ways to cut costs, cut liabilities. So if you have coders in your department or you have an excessive amount, you can split that in half or split it in 75% or just have one coder. Any position that may, you know, this system may replace those owners and CEOs are thinking about it. So how do these investors who are telling these companies, telling these CEOs, telling these owners, you know, okay, you can cut, you need to cut your costs here. You need to cut your costs there. And ultimately this command process has now taken away and simplified almost every single job that you have. And so these investors are going to invest more money and probably take more ownership um, of these, of these companies because now, even the hiring process becomes that much easier, which makes somebody's job that much easier, which makes you become that much more replaceable or just obsolete. And as this technology evolves on, your job will be replaced by some robot who is connected with OpenAI and now they're writing checks and accounting. There's going to be a lot created within this database that ultimately makes a lot of people money and there is a pattern with the government intervening something that has been made available to the public and something that's always really good it's always been ruined by something like whenever it in the government in this case they're gonna intervene the people who own it which is sam altman um and elon musk of course um, they founded this in 2015, and their mission is to build safe AGI, which is artificial general intelligence. And while it has been safe now, there will be ways where hackers or people who just really know how to, you know, they're to kind of like finesse technology. They're going to find ways to be able to use this to do harmful things. And so how do you stop that? It goes back to the censorship. Bigger picture, chat GPT. What does this evolve to? Where does this go in six months? Where What does this look like Christmas time around in 2023? You already have the VR pretty much eliminating even more research and social interaction and daily processes. And I just think that coming off the pandemic, we were, we were in a medical pandemic with the vaccine and whether we should take it or not and this or that, and it created a whole crazy divide. And now we have what we're going to come into is basically an economical pandemic. And that's going to create basically the war 
on man versus technology and hopefully it's not man versus robots in 30 or 40 years but for right now technology is now pretty much at the forefront of our faces every single day and they're making it to where this new technology is everyday usage where you have to maybe at some point depend on it and they do a good job of marketing it and making sure that people depend on these type of things so off the chat GBT, um, if you're here for the sports takes, then you are you have listened long enough, and so we're gonna get into the NBA, which honestly to me has been a great season so far. Um, we don't really have any runaway contenders yet. I do think the Boston Celtics and the Bucks are really good options right now for the finals. Although one of those two teams will have to either play each other or get past each other. To get to the finals. Um, but out in the West, you have the Pelicans that are number one seed. The Suns are good. The Grizzlies are good. The Kings are good. The Jazz, who people thought were going to tank the whole season, are good. Um, Luka's doing his thing on the Mavericks. Lakers are not good, but if LeBron and Anthony Davis can put the team on their back at least three out of the four games, then I'm not talking about in a series, but I'm just talking about throughout the regular season. If LeBron and AD can carry 60 to 70 points between the two of them every three out of four games, I think they have a chance to at least compete in the playoffs, but I don't really think that's going to win them anything because they just don't have anything surrounding them where if LeBron and AD are out or not out, but well, let's say they are out or they're just not on, then the Lakers lose by 30 and that's just, it just can't happen. My MVP tracker one, I go Jason Tatum, who is just getting better every single season. Um, he's getting bigger, more explosive. He's getting smarter. His shot creation, he might be the best tough shot maker in the league right now. Shots that he's able to get off at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and the way he does it in just a smooth way and his footwork and his ball handle it's you know it's unmatched right now, and I think he's number one for MVP, and the Celtics are doing as well as they're doing because of him. Now Jalen Brown is also another reason for that. I think that Jason benefits having Jalen Brown as a teammate, but Jason you know is the main engine for that team and always will be. Um, right after that, I do have Luka Doncic. Now I know that teams want to penalize them, probably being six or seventh in the standings. Um, that's probably where they'll be for the whole season, but when you have a guy with the usage rate as high as he is and he's not turning the ball over a crazy amount and he's a triple-double threat pretty much once a week at this point, you got to just tip your hat to him. I mean, he's averaging 30 points a game, right under nine rebounds a game and right under 10 assists a game or probably over 10 assists a game, but he has pretty much evolved into yes I would say what LeBron a player basically a below the rim LeBron player I think he, he obviously shoots it better than LeBron did I think he uses his he he doesn't use his body as well as LeBron did but I think he uses his angles and he actually might get to the basket almost as well as LeBron does with the way that he's able to manipulate and get through ball screens and just his ball handling and his passing. His passing is right up there with LeBron. I think that um, he's just kind of going through the same thing that LeBron did in his first stint in Cleveland, which was be an amazing player, be an MVP caliber type player, but 
you're not going to have the supporting cast to get through a team with players who are very capable who have t- or teams that have players three to four deep that are very capable of going for 20. And right now, after Spencer Dinwiddie, there's not that many guys on that team that can get you 20 unless they've hit probably five threes or, or four threes and gotten to the line a whole bunch of times. And that's almost a career night for some of those guys. So do I think the Mavericks need to make a trade? I do. Do I think that trade is Kyrie? No. More on the Nets in a minute. Um, but I think that the Mavericks are another wing guy away, a wing guy that's capable in offense, that can play in big minutes, and also that can get on the defensive end and stop the other team's best player because the Mavericks can score with anybody, but at the same time, the only reason they score with everybody is because they're giving up so many points always because they don't play any defense. The rim protection is obsolete pretty much, and when they want to go to their lineups with you know Luca obviously at the one, but you have Dinwiddie at the two or the three, that's pushing guys like Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, and Christian Wood at the five, which he he wants to stand and shoot threes and kind of play his own way. And so that doesn't necessarily work. Do I think they need to trade him? Maybe they do. I don't really know if his value is as high as as people may think. Um, So off of Luka Doncic, we have Devin Booker next. I think one thing you have to do with guys in the league who are very consistent with just – their stats is you have to take that into account once their team starts winning. I think Devin Booker was always a good stats, bad team player, but when they got good and they start getting on a roll and then they get Chris Paul and his stats are still the same and they've even gotten better and he's gotten better as a player. You have, you have to look at that and you have to acknowledge it. They've been to the finals. They lost to the bucks. That's cool. Everybody thought that they were just going to, fall off, DeAndre Aiden was going to leave, and Chris Paul wasn't going to be the same anymore. And although that he is hurt, Devin Booker has picked up any type of load that Chris Paul was going to bring. And I think them being number two in the West and competing for that number one spot all season, you have to give it to him. I think what he is ultimately going to have to do is really master playing point guard because Chris Paul is not always going to be going to be available and campaign. Although he is a good backup guard, if he's not on or he's in foul trouble, you're going to need Devin Booker to be that guy. I don't think it can be Mikhail Bridges. I think he's capable, but I don't think that that's your best option if it comes down to it. And so once he learns that, I'm not necessarily saying that his usage rate needs to go up because he plays well off the ball. He shares the ball. His team is good. He has weapons on his team, so it doesn't need to be in a, you know, Luka Doncic situation. While people say, oh, you don't want to run guys' legs into the ground in the regular season. Well, I also think that certain guys need reps at or being in a position where their usage rate kind of skies up because that's just what the situation calls for. And usually in the playoffs, that's what the situation calls for. Now a guy who's the opposite of all of this, all modern basketball stereotypes, Zion Williamson, who is one of my favorite players in the league. He has the Pelicans as the number one seed. Brennan Ingram's been out. They've had so many sparks here and there, but Zion, ever since that he's been healthy and they've been on the court consistently, he has been dominant. He was NBA Player of the Month. 
Um, he averaged, I want to say like 38 and eight, all of like no, almost all of November and coming into December, he's just on a tear right now. And he's, you know, shooting 60% in the paint or he's shooting like something like 70% in the paint. Um, he's shooting the three more. It's probably never going to be enough for people to be satisfied, but he's shooting it more. I just think when you see him in isolation, which is, I think the biggest thing that's probably caught people off guard about Zion and his game is that he's able to take bigs and smalls off the dribble in isolation. And he has counter moves to it. Um, he just gets back to his left hand, but he has counter moves for everything. Whether it's a spin, whether it's a hop, whether it's step through pump fake, or just simply rise up and just dunk on you. I, it's just kind of incredible to watch him play because although he attracts so much attention, he doesn't really have the ball that much. Now, I actually like it when they actually run Zion at the point guard position and let him be the main uh, ball handler. I think it's good for him to develop. I think it's going to be something that he needs to develop later in his career. But as for right now, I don't see a situation where the Pelicans are no are a sleeper. Um, to start the season, I would have said they were a sleeper. I would have said that C.J. McCollum was probably going to play a lot better than what he has. I know he's been dealing with sickness and other things. Maybe, I don't know. He's getting a little bit older. I don't think that he's... He's definitely not watching C.J. McCollum, but right now Zion is doing what he needs to be doing to put himself in that MVP conversation. I don't think that he will surpass Luka or Jason, but he's definitely going to be in that top five MVP uh, selection. I think he's a first-team All-NBA guy. It's just going to be interesting to see what the Pelicans do um, this season for sure. Um, to the rookies, uh, I'll just be quick on that. Paulo is better then he was advertised. He's incredible. It's almost like you forget that he's even a rookie, but the way that he moves and just kind of glides on the court and how big his frame is. And he's come into the league with an NBA frame, with an NBA veteran frame, may I add. Um, my biggest comparison for him would would be Michael Beasley. I don't think it's really even close. He can do everything on the court. He can do everything on the court. I think... Once he really gets into NBA shape and has an offseason where he's NBA training and he's certain players have that sophomore slump, but the superstars in their sophomore year take that leap. And whether that's all star or third team all NBA or whatever the case may be, those special players make that second year jump, whether that's going to be him averaging 25 plus points per game. Um, whether that's a double-double, whatever it may be, he's he's on that path to where he's going to be a household name. I think he's got all the skills and all the tools to be really good. Um, he's on the Magic, which I would say five years ago, if he got drafted to the Magic, I'd have been like, well, he's going to go there and waste for th- four years and maybe get a max and demand a trade. But now... The Magic look like a team that at least has a foundation that they can build off of. They have Bull Bull, who's been playing really well. Shout out to him for sticking with it and not giving up and just continuing to get better. Jalen Suggs, who I think is a better NBA player than people thought he was going to be. I think he's a better NBA player than I than I thought he was going to be. I knew that he could start in the NBA, but I didn't think that he 
would develop as quickly as he has um, just with off the dribble and getting to the rim and just using his athleticism. Franz Wagner, who is a very underrated player on that team, I think he's a great foundational piece. I think they're obviously not a destination franchise. I think they're probably a trade or a draft pick away from making noise. Um, Really, if they can just get a couple of their guys just to stick around for three or four years, I think they can turn things around. It's just the Orlando Magic. That's the rest I'll say about that. Um, Benedict Matherin for the Pacers. Um, he can play. Uh, coming out of Arizona, I didn't really know what to expect from him. Didn't watch him that much. It's probably my fault. Um, but any report that I had read on him was that he was physically enough ready for the NBA. They just didn't know if... You know, just looking at his numbers and just the eye test of playing in college and who you're playing with, also while who you're playing against, I just, I just couldn't really get a feel. But drafting... Getting drafted to the Pacers where you're playing with a point guard like um, Tyrese Halliburton, who is got to be runaway um, most improved player, by the way. But when you're playing with a point guard like that who is going to be touted as probably the next point guard, life is a lot easier for you to in the NBA as far as learning curves and shot selection and being set up in the right position because a lot of times these guys who could go anywhere between 4 to 10 in the draft, it's really just situational. The top three is usually guys who are going to pan out and do well no matter where they're at. But after like that four to five to 10 to 12 range, you have a lot of guys who will get drafted in these situations and it'll make you think like, oh my God, why didn't this guy get drafted top three or why didn't he go number one? It's because they got drafted to a team who had a couple pieces in place. They just need that rookie who's capable enough to step in and fill some of that void. Now, these bad teams that are drafting in the top three to four every single year, they don't get that because guys are leaving. They miss, straight up just miss on draft picks, and they don't develop them. These teams they have, that have sucked for seven or eight years are going to continue to suck until, one, a generational talent comes through, or two, one or two draft picks that ended up just working out stay for long enough for somebody to come or get traded then that's where you have a situation like you know the Oklahoma City Thunder where they just draft both guys stuck around eventually they all left of course but um you have teams that are like that. the Raptors are like that but you're in Indiana you're in the east it's a tough it's a tough sledding you know usually the east is kind of like a cakewalk but now it's you know it's a better conference for sure off the NBA Let's get into the NFL just a little bit. Right now, For I would say for my MVP tracker for the NFL, uh, I would say would be Patrick Mahomes. If the Vikings can keep their record, I would like to see Justin Jefferson get a lot of MVP votes. I think he's just been spectacular this year. If you've watched this podcast, you know that I said that he was the best player in the league even before it started. Um, Adam Thielen hasn't had that great of a year. I can't say that that duo was number one, but I will say that Justin Jefferson definitely has the title for for best receiver in the league right now. He's unbelievable. I think if a receiver is having a year like this, he should always be in the MVP conversation because we just don't see it. Um, Jalen Hurts, I would say he's I would say he's probably second. I'll take it back because the Eagles right now not only do does he look great, he looks improved. He looks like 
the QB that nobody thought that he was going to be. One, great for him, but two, it's just great to see him leading a franchise that most people are used to seeing being good. They're going to get that first round by. They've already clinched a playoff spot. He's running it well. He's throwing it even better. Um, he's got weapons. A.J. Brown is producing. they got Miles Sanders running the rock. He runs hard and is very fast, very underrated player. Um, they just have it clicking right now. Their defense is good. But the Cowboys and the Eagles, when it comes down to it for the division title, I still think it's going to be the Cowboys for some reason. I don't think the Eagles are going to win. But I do think that if the Eagles do win out, lose maybe just one more game, and they get the number one seed. I don't see how you can't give the MVP to Jalen Hurts because it's a new story and people don't want to vote for Mahomes. But right now, I will say that Patrick Mahomes is leading the MVP race, and right behind him is Jalen Hurts. Um, defensive player of the year, I think we could just give it to Michael Parsons at this point. But other than that, I don't really have too much um, NFL talk. To kind of wrap up this episode, I do like I would like to get into what I think of this show going forward, which is if you're making video content or you want to make video content, you want to start a podcast, you want to start a YouTube channel, you want to start a TikTok, whatever the hell you want to do, just do it. Because I get a lot of people that come up to me, and this podcast isn't isn't shit compared to what you listen to on the daily or what's on the charts. I don't make any money doing this shit yet, but People come up to me and ask me, oh, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. What should I do? What, what equipment should I use? Or like, what should I talk about? And that's like the main thing is like, what should I talk about? And it's don't fall in the trap of always just talking about what's comfortable and what you can dive into the deepest about. Now, you should always prioritize that, but don't make that your main priority because how I see this podcast going is if I keep talking about sports and I can talk about sports, talk your head off about NBA and talk a lot about the NFL if I want to and keep going on for another 30 minutes. But not everybody's here to listen to me for that. And if you are, that's great. But if you're not, I would love that even more. In doing that, it will expand kind of just what you think about and what your conscience about. And I will say that if you are trying to start a podcast, and you want to do episodes or you want to just do clips, whatever it is, take the time to learn how to edit those videos yourself. There's apps that you can use on your phone to edit. There's apps you can use on your computer to edit. Some are free. Some you have to buy. I pay for mine, but you do whatever you want. But learn how to do it because the more control and creative control you have over your own stuff, you will realize that you just value it more is what I'll say. You'll just value the work that you put in more the research that you have to put in for some topics because one thing I will say is there is anybody that wants to come and record with me and sit down and have just regular conversation with me never go off the top of your head with anything don't go into it just free shooting it because eight minutes have gone by and you'll think you're sat in there forever and you haven't said shit when you have all these notes and you're talking about all this stuff, you'll look up and you've got 30 minutes of a conversation that you can edit, or you've got what I'm at 46 right now of what I can edit. And so give yourself that leeway and you're going to be bad at it. I'm still bad at it. Like no one comes out the gate and is good in talking in front of the camera and making stuff interesting and um, grabbing somebody's attention in the first 
30 seconds. It's hard. It's hard to do that. I'm still finding ways to make this pre- presentation look as professional as possible. It's hard. It takes money. It takes time. And it just takes a lot of effort. But if you're going to do it, then take the time to put in that effort. Because as much as everybody wants to get on here and fucking go viral with every single clip that they make, it's not going to happen. But what I will say is that people go viral off doing whatever, talking about whatever. So why can't that be you? Why can't that be me? It's got to start somewhere. you got to at least put something on the screen for people to, to look at and to listen to. And the more you do it, the more consistent you are with it, the more natural it'll become to you. And so if anybody has any questions, I'd be, I would love to ask if anybody has any tips for me, any help for me, I would love that as well. I'm still learning a lot. I'm still learning a lot about the editing. I'm still learning about what the hell I even like to talk about, what I can really dive into and care enough to talk about without getting bored or just spitting random buzzword shit at you. It's a lot that comes into it, but the one thing I will say is just to freaking start. So with that, if you stuck around, I appreciate you. First time listener, last time listener. I love you. Thank you for listening to a Real Ties podcast. It's your host, Cameron. I'm out.